welcome to episode 17 of the F1 show for the 2007 Japanese Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. And after a long, rain soaked Japanese Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton looks poised to win the championship this year. Two hours and 34 seconds after the safety car cautiously led the 22 car field to the start of the race, Lewis Hamilton collected a dominant win of the Japanese Grand Prix. And in the process, made huge gains in the Drivers' Championship. He is now a full 12 points ahead of second in the championship, his McLaren teammate, Fernando Alonso. Finns filled the rest of the podium with Heike Kovalainen putting in a brilliant drive in his Renault to finish second ahead of Kimi Raikkonen's Ferrari. David Coulthard took advantage of the weather to finish fourth, followed by Giancarlo Fisichella in the second Renault. After a bizarre late pit stop, the second Ferrari of Felipe Massa gave up his podium finish and instead finished sixth. Close behind was the BMW Sauber of Robert Kubasa in seventh, and, for the moment at least, the spiker driver of Adrian Sutil, who put in an impressive drive in the wet. That spot, however, is being contested by Toro Rosso, as before a penalty, Antonio Liuzzi was in the final point Spain spot, which would have been his first. So, To be completely honest, the race was very dull, at least for the first half, but man, it mixed all sorts of things up, Jim. Well, we got to tell our fans what happened to Alonso. I mean, the whole reason Hamilton now has a 12 point lead, Alonso scored zero points because with 26 laps to go, just had a really big crash. I mean, you know, took all the corners off his car, just ground to a halt, and、uh, he was just, you know, visibly shaken for a little bit and, and finally got out of his car、um, and just totally frustrated. And personally, I think he was just trying so hard. To make up ground on Han Hamilton. I mean, he's, you know, he,、um, in the early stages, Lewis Hamilton pulled away just a little bit from,、um, you know, I guess, you know, once the safety car went in, Lewis Hamilton was pulling away sort of slowly from、uh, Alonso. Lewis later said he could, he could have pulled away faster at any point if he'd wanted to, that, he, you know, he just, you know, he had Alonso's number at this race. So I guess we'll never really know if that's true, but obviously Hamilton collected all the points and、uh, Alonso comes away empty handed. But, uh, After Lewis Hamilton pitted and was then back in the mid pack, uh, uh, Fernando, and Fernando actually had pitted already as well. Fernando pitted first.、Um, just, he, you know, Fernando Alonso kept making these just mistakes, running wide and sort of trying to make these heroic passes that didn't happen. It just really looked like he was just trying to claw back any ground he could and just kept messing up because of it. So,、um, Fernando actually says that Vettel, Sebastian Vettel,、uh, hit him from behind and that that damaged the car. And,、uh, and then, you know, during braking for turn five, he just aquaplaned and spun. But,、uh, we never actually really saw what happened, so, you know, I'm not sure if that was really the case or if it was just a, a you know, Fernando getting overeager. But,、uh, that really, I mean, that, that turns the tide in the Drivers' Championship in a big way because 12 points in two races pretty much means that,、um, Lewis Hamilton, if he can, if he can win one,、uh, then, then I guess he clenches it, right? I mean. Yeah, actually,、uh, one win would do more than clench it. In fact, he could take one second place spot in DNF and, Uh, he'd still at very least tie in championship points. Uh, Alonso, uh, Alonso is. He's really pretty, in trouble at this he's point. He's in huge trouble. A lot of bad things have to happen for him to,、uh, win the championship. And even more so for Raikkonen, who mathematically is still in the championship, but very, very、yeah. outside chance now. So this one race has turned this three, almost four way battle to, for the drivers championship into a, Almost guaranteed rookie championship season, which is huge. But,、um, 
considering all that, I think one thing that really caused Alonso to try so hard and end up crashing like he did and make the mistakes he did is this race started under yellow behind the safety car for 19 laps. It was basically a parade behind the safety car, no passing, lower speeds, and... So well, we should mention, Yarno truly was able to spin off track and lose some spots. That's the only time you can actually make up ground is if someone else goes off track or really messes himself up or if uh, cars have to go into the pits. So once again, Yarno truly somehow managed to have a bad start. Even when it's under a safety car, no one's allowed to pass him unless he totally messes it up. So we'll just... Exactly, but we digress. Anyway, what I was saying was 19 laps they were behind the safety car, so... Fernando Alonso had 19 laps to think about how and when he was going to pass Hamilton and when he was going to get that done. And 19 laps to build up and get that tension and really, you know, you know, get that pressure to build up. And he, he tried to make the pass early on. He couldn't do it. I mean, it is now, this, this team is now openly in disarray. You know, Hamilton's come out and said that he doesn't want Alonso as a teammate next year. You know, Ron Dennis has come out and say that he's not on speaking terms with Alonzo. Um, you know, Flavio Briatore has come out saying he's interested in Alonzo. So, I mean, the the uh, energy and the and the and the uh, behind the scenes of it's that just like a lot of animosity going. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really awful there. So yeah, well, Fernando did have 19 laps to sort of figure out his plan of attack on Lewis, but what he didn't have was a standing start where if he could get a little advantage on the launch, where he's usually pretty solid. To be able, you know, have a nice rundown into turn one and maybe pass Lewis right there and start walking away from him. You know, I mean, that's um, what you miss with the uh, with with the safety car start. It's just everyone's already in position, and Lewis, uh, you know, really being being first in the row on a, on a safety car start or restart like that, I, I think is just a huge advantage because you can slow everybody up and sort of get this accordion effect and then hit the gas at just the right time and you know a lot of times sort of fake out the guys around you. Um, Alonzo traditionally has been good on restarts and, and has, you know, found ways to sort of time that and, and work that to his advantage. But, you know, Lewis was dramatically slowing down in, in just about every corner and then getting on the gas and then slowing down and during just, the yellow, yeah. yeah, behind the safety car. And, and Alonzo was sort of, you know, herking, jerking back and to, to try to, you know, not crash into him and keep guys behind him. And it was really sort of, sort of peculiar, I guess. And they're trying to keep heat in the tires, but, Man, I mean, they're really just jerking the cars around, and, and I'm amazed there weren't more issues than there were just with cars, you know, stopping and starting as quickly as they were. Well, something else to consider that I think is interesting is uh, if you look at the qualifying times, uh, consider that uh, Lewis Hamilton was on pole. He's a Brit. But also Jen, Jensen Button was sixth on the grid, and he's a Brit. And all, and although David Coulthard didn't start a very impressive, he was 12th on the starting grid, he finished fourth. He's a Scot. Uh, I think to a point you have United Kingdom drivers here very used to the rain. There's a lot of wet races in England and to a lesser extent, you know, the Finns of Heike Kovalainen and Kimi Raikkonen, you know, they're, they're going to be very used to driving in the rain compared to, say, a Spaniard. And uh, Brazilian of you know Massa and Alonso, so I think there's going to be a certain level where you know Hamilton's just more comfortable in the wet than Alonso, and I think that played to his advantage as well because he was at just a solid level above Alonso in this race. Yeah, some of it is is I think driving. Although I mean, I also want to mention you know Anthony Davidson, who's just as British as anyone else, has uh, started 18th in the Super Aguri. I mean, the, you know, we were all hoping the Hondas would do well in, in Toyota turf and you know in, in the big market for them in Japan. But you know, I don't I don't know if it's a British thing so much. But 
I think, you know, part of it, it's, it's, it's tough because part of it's visibility. And if you're not the lead car, it is so hard to see with the spray coming off the cars in front of you. Um, you know, whether that's during qualifying, during, you know, any of the rainy practice sessions and especially during the race. Um, but I mean, Fernando Alonso has always had just really good car control, especially, and, and just, I mean, he really seemed to, the Renault in the last two years really seemed to fit him and just anytime going over curbs or especially around twisty tracks like Monaco or anything. I mean, Alonso was just always impressive and always just seemed to keep the car under him. And I'm surprised he's actually not better in the rain. Um, and, you know, but Kimi Raikkonen, yeah, whether it's being Finnish and having the experience driving on all the snow and everything, and the same with Heki Kovalainen, um, it's, you know, good to see, you know, not surprising to see them uh, do well in the wet. But, uh, and, and we know Jensen Button's good, like from his, uh, you know, Hungary appearance and, you know, and his only victory. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just surprised that, uh, that Alonso, that it fell apart so much for him. Um, you know, just whether it was getting behind in the spray or I, th- I think, you know, his, his sort of nerves getting to him because he knows the championship's down to the wire. You know, he knows he's, he's got to make up whatever ground he can and just pushing too hard. Um, you know, he sort of got this angst for the team and uh, apparently Lewis Hamilton has figured out some, some better setup than he has on the, on, the, on the McLaren and they're not really sharing information there. So I think, Lewis, I, I think Fernando really wanted to prove to himself and everyone that he could best Lewis Hamilton and in the process made a fool of himself. Well, it's interesting. He's really become kind of the perfect villain in this story that is the 2007 championship. You know, he, he was, you know, tried to blackmail the team, establish himself as a number one and all these different things. And now at the last minute, it's kind of, you know, unfolding against him and, and just kind of all coming unraveled. And, and it's a shame to see a driver that, you know, until very recently, both Jim and I had huge amounts of respect for. Um, you know, kind of do these things that we have to say seem pretty petty and just don't, you know, unsportsmanlike. And it's not the way were I in the position to, it's not the way I'd want to win a championship. Yeah. And like after the first schmozzle with, you know, stopping in the pit lane and presenting, preventing Lewis from getting an extra lap and all that from a couple races back, you know, when we first heard that, the, the whole conspiracy theorists or whatever saying, oh, is he, is he deliberately doing this to, to mess with Hamilton? We looked at each other and said, "No, you know, that's not. That's he's not going to do that. Yeah, that, was, just, that was just a mishap. Yeah, a just mishap. a misunderstanding. You know, the timing and whatever. Everything got got complicated. But you know, the more evidence comes out, it really seems like it, things are just you know vicious, and it is sort of down to these you know these, these sort of tricks and whatever he can do to to gain advantage. And it's it's too bad that for whatever reason he couldn't make it happen on track because I'm all for a good fight and a, you know a, so you know him standing up to the challenge and you know doing the best he can and, and having it really you know push Alonso to his best, but not with dirty tricks, man. I mean, don't, don't be messing with your guys, you know, set up or, you know, trying to get information from Ferrari about what's going on there and, you know, all, any of those other things that are alleged against him and, and just, you know, not being cool with your team. I mean, you know, the first thing Lewis says, you know, is after they tell him, hey, but, you know, well, he knows he won, but he gets on the radio and, oh, everyone just did a great job and, you know, thanks so much to everyone and the whole team. And, you know, Alonzo just apparently he's, you know, half the team is mad at him and, and, you know, Ron Dennis isn't speaking to him and all that. And that's just not conducive to success. I mean, that's just seems like no way to, you know, run a championship campaign. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, the next biggest thing here, there's almost there's also two big kind of amazing things that happens. One is seeing Alonzo kind of. Okay, again, we don't know all the details, but in a way, he kind of threw it away this race because he was trying so hard. The other thing was the atrocious decision by Ferrari to start the race on intermediate tires instead of the full wet-weather tires. Uh, Apparently, it was mandated by the FIA for this race specifically 
to for every team to start on the full wet weather tires, but for some reason, Ferrari opted to go on the intermediates despite that. Now, well, Ferrari didn't get the memo. I mean, not, that's what they claim. After the race, it comes out. You know, they they they've showed the computer to the FIA saying, "Hey, this is the guy. You know, this is our our team guy's computer, and we received this this message at one thirty seven instead of whatever." I mean, they're they're really you know maintaining that they just did not get the memo and it's possible that that's true but i don't understand how regardless how of that, all the other teams could have figured this out but and ferrari just didn't and even if they didn't go ahead regardless of that this was the wettest race they've had in years i mean it was pouring down rain yeah tell me what conditions you need to use the full wet weather tire if it's not torrential rain so much so that the fia feels obligated to start you behind the safety car how is that an intermediate tire setup? How is that advantageous? Yeah, the only time the intermediate tires are, are really work is if it's you know maybe a, a little bit of rain. It or recently rained, but the course is drying out. Maybe there's still a little bit of sprinkles, but this was raining. I mean, you could see on the grid, everyone was just you know huddled under umbrellas and it just everything you know just all the puddles and streams going across the track. I mean, this was not a light rain. It was not a drying track. I don't think there was ever a dry line in this entire race. There was a wet area and a little bit less wet line. But it was raining the whole time, and it was never really safe to go out on intermediate tires. Um, it was it was you know wet tires the whole way, and um, and, it, and Ferrari it, just made the wrong call. And then they both the, both their drivers had to, had to pit uh, early on, and that sent them to the back of the pack when everyone's just cruising around behind the safety car, and that really you know made it a, just an uphill battle for them. Yeah, I mean this was this is this was a crucial. Decision, and it turned out to be a huge, huge, wrong, hugely wrong decision. Um, the Ferrari started third and fourth. Raikkonen was in third. Massa was fourth. And throughout the race, Raikkonen was quite quick. He finished behind the Renault of, of Kovalainen, but he was faster than the Renault of Kovalainen. He just couldn't get the pass done. Yeah, because after Alonso's crash, they had another safety car period, and so everything, you know, you get these runs, people would start making passes and everything, and be, you know, had to go back behind the safety car, and everything would cool back down. So it was a little frustrating that we couldn't just get some clean racing in for an extended period of time. Right, but so they had they had a quick car, and they were third and fourth, three laps into a safety car caution, they both they had to pit on the third and fourth lap by the FIA ruling that they had to pit to put on the full wet weather tires. They came out 21st and 22nd, and as a result, the race start they immediately had this huge amount of ground to make up. I mean, I don't know if either Ferrari had anything for Hamilton, but I think there's no doubt that Raikkonen could have finished at least second in this race and at least slightly improved his chances. To be still in the drivers' championship, and I think if anyone had a chance of challenging Hamilton, it would have been Raikkonen. Yeah, because like we said, he's just confident and, and just comfortable on the wet. And uh, yeah, I mean, just looking at the, uh, the the tire strategy here, um, and the other thing that I mean, basically everything came together for Lewis Hamilton today. You know, with the Ferraris having that error, he didn't really have them breathing down his neck. Actually, the biggest challenge coming to Lewis Hamilton today was from Mark Webber of all people in the Red Bull. Um, until he was um, really unfortunately he he was rear-ended by uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, during a safety car almost before a restart. Uh, so you know it took Weber out of the race, but he was actually you know he could have uh, been dicing for the victory because Weber is a really competent driver. He's got a lot of experience, and when the when the rain you know takes the grip levels down so low, it really sort of equalizes um, a lot of what the cars can do, and it makes it down to driver skill. And Mark Weber certainly has plenty of that. So it's you know when when. You know, first the Ferraris had to made this, this tire mishap. They're sent to the back of the pack. Later on in the race, Alonso crashes out. 
Um, but then, you know, when Sebastian Vettel takes out Mark Webber, it's like all the threats to, to Hamilton's success just being stripped away one by one. It's, and, you know, it's like, how could he, how could he not take it home? And he did, you know, at the end, he was just, he was, he was cruising at the end. He had a big lead over Heike Kovalainen, who was battling with, with Kimi. I mean, it was just really, everything, everything else just sort of fell apart around Lewis, and he was there to, to finish and, you know, make the most of it. Well, Weber is one of those guys that, if he doesn't have bad luck, he doesn't have any luck at all. I yeah. mean, it's just one thing after another for that guy. I, he was taken out during the yellow flag by his team, by his, uh, in the satellite like a customer car, team. In the yeah. customer team by the 19 year old Sebastian Vettel, who himself was doing, they were both running great races. Yeah, they were running Vettel second was, and third. Vettel was running brilliantly and, uh, it, I don't know what happened. You know, Vettel zigged when he should have zagged or something and just, Clobbered Weber. Weber didn't do anything wrong. He was well. Lewis Hamilton said that Weber was, uh, you know, and I guess sort of pulling a Lewis Hamilton by slowing down really, really, you know, every time sort of outbreaking himself. And and Lewis said that, and he could see in his rearview mirrors that Weber was sort of getting closer and closer, and um, you know, and, and breaking pretty deep into the corner, maybe deeper than he should have been. So it's it's debatable. Um, although the FIA debated it and decided that uh, Sebastian Vettel deserves a penalty for running into uh, to Mark Webber like that. And, and I think really that's the right decision. I mean, understanding that maybe Webber was, could have been a little bit more consistent than yeah. he was under the yellow, at the end of the day, it was still completely Vettel's responsibility to stay clear of him. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's seen, you know, Sebastian Vettel can see the car in front of him. It's not up to Mark Webber to, you know, make sure what's happening behind him. He can't be, you know, Held responsible for the cars behind him, I don't think. So I, I agree with that, but it's, you know, it's sort of it. It, it either one could have avoided uh, this contact, perhaps. But you know, at the at the end of the day, it is Vettel's responsibility to not rear end the car in front of him. So uh, Sebastian Vettel is going to have a, a ten grid spot penalty in uh, Shanghai next week. So that's that's unfortunate for him. But you know, I don't know how much of a difference that'll make because the STRs aren't, don't usually make it nearly as far up the qualifying as they did uh, this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I don't know. This whole thing is kind of there's this huge tension building up. The championship was getting tighter and tighter, and now in just two short weeks, McLaren's out of the constructors' championship. Ferrari clenched that with no trouble whatsoever, yeah, because of the ruling. Uh, the drivers' championship is now all but clenched. Uh, so really, this is going to be um, you know just controlling things and just uh, accident avoidance for Hamilton. Just, just bring try it not home, to make guys. Stakes. Yep, just coast home and. It could be fun because this is kind of no holds bar. No one has anything to lose except for Hamilton racing. So Hamilton just needs to play it safe, and then who knows? Maybe we'll see some real nice racing because no one cares anymore. Or maybe it'll be boring because you know Hamilton just doesn't want to crash, so he doesn't want to take any risks. It's hard to say. Or but that. enough about him for a second. Uh, on the Ferraris, um, Felipe Massa, that dude is just spinning left and right, literally. Uh, you know, off the track several times. I think he had at least four or five off track excursions. Um, luckily, Fuji Speedway has a nice asphalt runoff, so he's not, he never got into walls, but, uh, definitely was, uh, you know, took himself out of the, uh, almost, off, you know, off the track, not out of the race, but took himself off the track several times and had various spins and, you know, lost a couple of positions and so on. Um, and then once, uh, Kimi Raikkonen had worked his way up the field, um, <laughs> to be just behind Felipe Massa, uh, Massa, you know, and just took a pit stop, said, oh, I need to change tires. Now, the wet weather tires can easily last a whole race distance. They're, they, you know, they're not worn down. They're nowhere near the wear bars the or anything like that. The wet weather tires can last a whole race distance, then be put on the lorries, bolted on the lorries, and be driven back to England yeah. or Italy 
afterwards. They, they don't wear out quickly at all. Yeah, so clearly it just seems like a cloaked uh, team order from Ferrari to, uh, you know, they, they've gone out and said in the past that, you know, Felipe Massa right now, his job is just to support Kimi Raikkonen in his bid for the championship because Felipe is such a long shot that, you Which know, is fine. It's not going to happen. But it's a little bit weird because officially Ferrari is not allowed to tell Felipe to just slow down and let Kimi buy. That is against the rules. But, you know, so what does Ferrari do? They just say, oh, you know, Felipe, just, yeah, yeah, you have a tire, you have a vibration. You better come in and change tires. Yeah, so it's, like, is the tire coming down? Oh, yeah. So we better, we better change that. So it's, it's sort of this, you know, just everyone know, everyone in the pit line knows what's happening. And it seems sort of stupid that they have to go through the little charade, but they did and, um, yeah. brought Felipe in for a, uh, you know, for a pit stop to change tires for no good reason, just to let Kimi around. But again, what do they care? I mean, they've got the Constructors' Championship clinched. Kimi Raikkonen's their best bet for the Drivers' Championship. So, I mean, that's the way to do it. And, you know, it's unfortunate you have to go through this, but what's ironic about the whole thing is, of course, is that it's because of Ferrari's blatant team orders that have upset so many fans in the past. Yeah, and with caused, Michael Schumacher. And... Caused all this drama that they made this rule in the first place. Yeah. I mean, there there was times where Rubens Barrichello had the win in the bag and then the last minute slows down to a crawl, lets Schumacher buy for the win to secure the championship, so on and so forth. I mean, that's that's upset many fans in the past, and that's why that rule was made in the first place. Is it is it a proper rule? No, not really, but... It is it is something that Ferrari kind of caused. Yeah, it's one of these, you know it's going to be broken all the time, so why is it on the books? But then again, you don't want to see it happen all the time because it, it does seem sort of, I don't know if it should be against the rules. It's unsporting, but, uh, you know, sort of like blocking, you know, where is, is the answer to make it, to make a rule about it and to, you know, you know, signify, you know, is this one zig or is this going back and forth across the track and is that blocking and really make the rules or just sort of enforce a sporting code and say, you know, don't be a dick about it. You know? Just don't Just be a dick. Drive it. reasonably and don't don't pull these moves. But you know, I guess these teams will find any advantage they can, and and you know, so I guess you have to spell it out in black and white. Although, and, and to, but I mean, this okay, ah, this this is a, to me a legitimate thing. Okay. Kimi Raikkonen still has an outside chance at the drivers' championship. I mean, what if what if Hamilton's taken out early in the one race and then has an engine failure in the second, and you know, if Kimi can win those races, he could still win this championship, theoretically. I mean, it's outside chance. Yeah. But And Massa has no chance of doing that, so it's it's Raikkonen or nothing. They've got the construction. I mean, this, to me, made perfect legitimate sense. In the days when Michael Schumacher would you know, go by Barrichello, that was just in case. I mean, Michael Schumacher would already have a big championship lead. It would be the middle of the championship, all these things. I mean, that's part of it, too. I mean, they do it just as precautionary preemptive measures back then so that really made they weren't people really upset. scrapping for points exactly really and hurting. so you know this was a very there's a very obvious clear reason why Raikkonen should move up for Ferrari so uh, you know whatever yeah. although the only time I was impressed by Felipe Massa all day uh was after this uh this last pit stop which was with about I don't know it was like 10 laps to go or even less than that um so he uh, Felipe comes out of the pits and he's battling with Robert Kubica in the uh, BMW Sauber and the cars seemed very close, you know, very, very uh, closely matched to each other. And uh, through the last corner of the last lap, or, you know, the, the last sector, I guess, you know, like the last half a lap um, of the very last lap of the race, Kubica and Felipe are having this just tremendous battle. And it's literally right as, you know, Lewis goes across the line, and the, the first uh, first couple cars are, are crossing the line and finishing. So we're cutting back between that and, and back to this battle. But um, 
Kubica, or Felipe Massa first runs Robert Kubica like right off the road. You know, he runs right, Kubica's trying to make a pass, and um, Felipe just pushes him wide, and he has to go off the track and come back on. But both guys stay in it. They stay in the throttle. They both try to get through the corner. Neither one concedes uh, the position. And so they go through. It's a left-right complex onto the main straight, and on the right-hander, um, you know, having just been pushed off the road, but, you know, he got, was able to get back on. Robert Kubica pushes Felipe Massa way off the road. So Massa's got to go way wide. Uh, but again, with these asphalt runoff, um, Massa keeps his foot in it and actually gets back on the track. This is onto the main straightaway now for the final, you know, down to the, 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 uh, the checkered flag. Um, and Felipe Massa stays in front of Robert Kubica somehow after going off the track, over the grass, on the asphalt runoff, and back on track. Um, just by keeping his foot in it, um, was able to, to keep sixth spot, uh, which which doesn't really make a difference in terms of the championship. But uh, it was just very cool to see Felipe actually, you know, doing some good battling. And um, I think it was it wasn't cool to, to have him, you know, have him push Robert Kubica so wide um, on you know turn 14 or 15 where he did. But uh, it was cool to see some actual just you know driving neck and neck kind of uh, passing action going on, which was uh, was you know was pretty sweet. I think near the end of the race there. Absolutely, I think that was uh, very cool to see. And uh, another thing that was interesting that was talked about quite a lot was this is a track that is owned by Toyota, and this is the Japanese Grand Prix. So obviously this is a huge deal to both Honda and Toyota. And what's ironic is the other Japanese circuit, uh, Suzuka, is owned by Honda. So, you know, very important for both these Japanese, Honda really wants to beat Toyota at their home track. Toyota really wants to do well at their home track. The highest finishing car was a Honda, but that was in 10th spot. And that was Rubens Barrichello in 10th, Jensen Button in 11th, and then the next best Toyota was Yarno Trulli in 13th, a lap down, and just gets worse from there. Takuma yeah. Sato <laughs> was 15th. Uh, Ralph Schumacher was 16. He retired with a puncture with a couple yeah, laps to go. I, yeah. Takuma Sato was the last driver at 15th to finish the race, and he didn't even really finish. He, he had a collision at the end. I mean, oh, they did abysmally. I mean, they they didn't show well at all. Uh, you know, in, in some ways, it was almost longevity that uh, Rubens finished as high as he did. I mean, Jensen qualified really well, and he was doing really well. I mean, we spoke about, you know, his rain driving prowess, but I think it was pretty sad well, to he's, see he, the Japanese makers do as bad as they did. Well, in Jensen Button's case, it was because his front wing got taken off in a, in a you know, first lap schmazzle or first couple of laps there. And he actually, Jensen Button was driving around for like three or four laps with no front wing on his car and actually keeping up with the rest of the traffic, which was uh, a little bit tricky in terms of tells you, you know, how much the, the drivers are being slowed down by visibility and traffic and everything else. But uh, so it's unfortunate because in some ways the rain is an equalizer, and in some ways once you start getting these crashes and you know pit stops and all this other thing, it just kind of throws the race on its head. And that's partly what led to uh, Jensen's you know great drive in Hungary. You know half of it was just staying in the race um, while the other other drivers were crashing out and having problems, and and he was just consistent. But uh, you know part of it was actually definitely a, a good drive. So it's. It's it's really too bad. I mean, all the Japanese manufacturers, you know, are both of them wanted to do well. Neither of them did. I mean, you know, with Williams Toyota and uh, in who's it? Uh, Nico Rosberg's car. He had an engine change. You know, he had a, an engine failure early on in the weekend. It was the only car with an engine change. So that already kind of looks bad. It's your home Grand Prix. It's like, oh yeah, this Toyota engine had to be changed. Um, you know, the first car out of the race was Alex Verts in a Williams Toyota. Um, it's just you know pretty pretty. You know, a performance I think all the Japanese, you know, Honda and Toyota teams would just like to forget and uh, and move on. 
Yeah, and uh, I think that's what we will do. We will move on to the next race. We got a brand new circuit that's going to be in Shanghai, the Chinese Grand Prix. Isn't it going to be in Shanghai? It is. You gave me that look. But it's not a brand new circuit, though. It's the you know, same Shanghai circuit. Okay, it's the same circuit. Brand new time. Yes. <laughs> I knew it was something new. New, new spot on the calendar. That, new yeah. spot on the calendar. That's what threw me off. Okay. Yeah. So, Chinese is going to be the penultimate race in China, and then we're going to finish in Brazil. And uh, China's next week. We're looking forward to that. We want to thank. We got a few comments this week on, a, on our website and an email, and we appreciate all of those. Um, Roberto, we're going we're gonna to have to hear your case again. This is... A, <laughs> This is getting hard for us to swallow here. Yeah, man. Fernando is still still not not impressing us at this point. And uh, I also um, just definitely, you know, please send us feedback. Feedback at f1show.com is the email address for that. Or if it's easier, just hop on the website at f1show.com and you can actually respond to this uh, episode directly and see what everyone else is saying. And, uh, you know, we can uh, join the discussion there. Um, just so, you know, it's only a week away till the, the next race. And, you know, at that point, we really should have an excellent idea as to what's going on in the championship. It's possible it'll be clinched for, uh, for Lewis Hamilton. I'm so, going to uh, say very likely. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so we'll have to see. But, uh, until then, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner.